Hello, it's Howie Spangler, Tales from the Green Room. How you doing today? This is uh, episode 76. Is it 76? Yes, it's episode 76. I always have to check. How you doing? It's been a minute. I'm feeling good today. It is, uh, I'm finally um, starting to feel better. Like, I'm not tired. <laughs> I We did this huge, you know, two shows this past weekend. Uh, Ocean City, Maryland. And Denver, Colorado. Friday, Saturday. And if you... If you've ever looked at a map, you could see that those two aren't anywhere near each other. And you have to get on an airplane to get to the, to Denver from Maryland. So, um, did that. And, you know, so I was up at fucking four or five o'clock every morning this weekend. Uh, played the shows. Flew Saturday and Sunday. Early morning, got home. And then Monday morning, I had to go to, not had to, but we went to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania with the kids. So I got up super early for that too, um, because everybody wanted to leave at 8.30. So daddy was tired. And then I was super late getting to Donald's house this morning. We're setting up his his basement with uh, at, for, the, for our drum room to record drums there. And I was supposed to be there at 10, and I got there like, I don't know, 1045. <laughs> Just overslept. Daddy was tired, okay? Daddy's not a machine. Um, is it creepy that I'm saying daddy a lot? So, uh, what's happening lately? Um, the shows were great, by the way. Thank you, everybody, that came out for that. Uh, man, I am really enjoying this right now. So, uh, it's a production note. I, I've... I'm using my SM7B instead of my Slate ML1, which is a sick mic. They're both they're both great mics, but I was just using the SM7B um, uh, mic in the Slate software. They they have the it's an incredible mic. It, it's a super ultra linear is what they call it, and they this is some nerd shit. Um, and you could basically they modeled all these old vintage mics and stuff, and um, so I'm, I'm using the SM7 anyway you know, when I go into Pro Tools and I decided to just use my SM7B that I have here with this console and it's just right in front of me. I'm looking at my computer screen. I have all the information. I have all the answers right here and it's just, it's just great. So that was, that was a little nerdy. I'm sorry. Um, I just get excited. Uh, yeah. So lately, um, Renegade still crushing it. We've got 61,000 streams, 61.3K streams to be exact, last 28 days. Uh, so that's great. It is on some playlists. I've got even even the Tales Pop playlist, I've got it on there. I've got 42 listeners on that. I got 76 streams just from that. Um, Best of Reggae Rock 2019 by, by our friends at the Pier. Got 229 streams out of that. Release Radar still crushing with 22.9K streams. Um, reggae Perfection Playlist, 1,000 streams there. I mean, this is great. Bands, if you're not using uh, Spotify for Artists, you are fucking up. Um, some of our biggest fans, Brazil, 
country number two to the, to the United States. Sick, man. I love all this information. I can go on for days and hours about this. Um, we are we are about to crack 500k monthly listeners. Thank you all. When it warms up, man, you all really listen to our music, and we're very appreciative. So thank you. Um, 24% up month over month on this. So I imagine hopefully tomorrow we'll crack 500k. Um, trending songs I lately noticed. Whoa, you're listening to I lately noticed lately? Damn, that's an old shit. This chick is whack with uh, Eric Rachmani and the Real Big Fish Horn section. Walk Away Acoustic from the uh, Cool Down record. Loving this, man. Um, shows. Value's got some shows too. Uh, this Friday, we're going to be at Patty's Beach Club in Westerly, Rhode Island. Uh, Saturday, we got a free show at Mulcahy's Pub in Wontog, uh, New York, which is Long Island. So just come to that. There's no reason you can't come to that. It's free. Uh, June 30th, we're doing that boat cruise again, the booze cruise thing with uh, Rock On Concerts in Boston. Um, tickets are moving for that still, so grab those. And then, uh, damn, is our, sh- our next show really not until July 25th? Holy shit. July 25th. House of Independence, Asbury Park, New Jersey. Please grab tickets for that. July 26th, uh, Union Jacks, Rio in Gaithersburg, Maryland. uh, July 27th, Old Town Pub in Lettertown, Maryland. Um, And then uh, August is really kicking off. Revolution, shows with Pacifier into September. Yeah, so things are picking up in August again. Uh, Podcast stuff. Um, If you want to support the podcast... And you want to look amazing and make everyone jealous and impressed at the same time. Um, I got you covered. The, the summer collection is up. Go to uh, go to my uh, HowieSpangler.com website. Hit, this, hit the store link and it'll take you to the store. I've got the brand new summer line up. I made this sick-ass pineapple logo. And in two different colors, and it's on different styles. It's on long tee for the tall guys out there, or the tall ladies. Um, different colors, I got assorted colors there. Uh, tank top, the Racerback tank top for the ladies. Um, straight up regular crew tee, you know, your typical t shirt that's there as well. Uh, so go check that out. It looks dope. Um, it really, uh, really helps. I, I, I don't make really any money off of these things. It's just whatever comes in just kind of goes back into the pot at some point. Um, but I just want you guys wearing this stuff. I just want to see it out there in the wild. It's really fun seeing like uh, the beachside stuff and, you know, the, the podcast stuff out there when I'm with Ballyhoo. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, hit me up at Instagram. Leave me a voicemail. I think I got some voicemails to talk about today. You know what? I'm actually going to save that for a separate pod. That's what I'm do. I'm just going to do a straight up mailbag pod because I've, I've got a few that I, need to, that I need to get to. So stay tuned for that. Um, today I've got Annie Delgado. She's a pop singer, songwriter. Uh, she's originally from the East Coast. She now, she now uh, lives in LA. She now, she now, she now, she now. I sound like a Temple of Doom. Oh, Nam Shivai. Oh, Nam Shivai. Uh, she's out in LA now and uh, she's writing with uh, some producers and some songwriters and uh, she seems really stoked about it um, anyway we had a great talk about uh, being a solo artist uh, being a female artist and uplifting other females along the way 
um, her approach to uh, growing an Instagram account and uh, her general love and affection for the people that are following her. Um, okay, let's do it. Tales from the Green Room, here we go. Annie, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great, no, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on to the show. Um, usually, I'm I, excited. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I have like people that I know. This is like you're like one of the first people that I've only had a few <laughs> people that I, I just have no idea. You know. Well, I am honored. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right on, right on. So, um, so yeah, your uh, your publicist reached out to me a couple weeks ago, and um, I guess she heard about the podcast and. Uh, which is cool. I guess that means the word's getting out, so that's nice. Word's getting out. Yeah, Laura's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's great. She seems like really nice. She's really on point, too. She is. She's she was, super organized. It's really helpful. <laughs> yeah, we were back and forth uh, uh, several times trying to nail down this date because like, you, you needed like your schedule and my schedule. And it, was, it was nice how it worked out today. Yeah, me too. Right on. So uh, you're an East Coaster, huh? I am originally from the East Coast. Um, I grew up down in Miami. And then in a little beach town uh, in Florida called Melbourne. Oh, and yeah. then I moved up to New York City when I decided to go to conservatory when I was 18. That's rad. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm familiar with Melbourne. We, um, my band plays down there a lot. No way. Nobody ever seems to know. Where do you play in Melbourne? We just played uh, the, dis- not the uh, what's it called? Um, debauchery. Played debauchery. I don't know a that times. one. Yeah, it's like this. Oh wait, I do know that one. That's in downtown Melbourne. That's so crazy. Yeah, downtown. Um, just played there. I guess it was. I don't know. A couple a couple months ago, maybe. Um, that was our second That's time wild. there. Yeah, we've done. Uh, I mean, we played. Uh, uh, right, like uh, my buddy Duderman. He's a promoter down there. Um, he does. Uh, he works with this uh, company called Ineffable, and. They put on shows, and uh, he's he's a great. He's one of the. He's probably the best promoter we've ever worked with. Um, That's awesome. That's great. I didn't know Melbourne has such a vibrant music scene. I haven't lived there since I was like seventeen. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, the, um, Florida has just become this hotbed for um, for bands, and especially bands in my genre, this this reggae rock thing. Um, oh yeah, that's perfect. I totally see. Um, there's a lot of like oceanfront type restaurants. I could totally see that there. Yeah, plenty of beach towns to play in Florida, obviously. And um, over the last few years, like Florida's just been insane. Like uh, the shows are always packed, and um, we you can play so many different places all over the country. I'm, I'm sorry, all over the state. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even though it's it's only three hours to get side to side, and um, I don't know, it's just nice. We we've had you many, just kind of tour around there. Yeah, it's like a second home. It's it's uh, a yeah. yeah. Well, shout awesome. out to my hometown for being good to me music. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You said you moved to New York for a bit. Yeah, I studied there. I went to school for integrated performing arts, um, which is essentially singing, dancing, and acting with a focus on musical theater. And shortly thereafter, I just decided that pop music was always my passion, and that's what kind of printed me into moving to LA. That's great. How's, uh, how's LA living? LA living is amazing. It's way easier than New York city. Um, New York will always be my favorite place in the world, but it's really nice to be here and it be so close to other people who are kind of doing what I'm doing and be able to collaborate with people all the time. If I didn't move to LA, I would have never met my amazing manager or my producer. So I'm really lucky. 
That's great. Yeah, the um, I never thought like back in the day because we, we we've always we've been on tour for like 13 years now, and we oh, wow. never yeah we never thought we were like yeah we don't need to move to L.A. and like we're still based in Maryland. <laughs> um, there, like, there's no reason because we're always we're always out there. We're out there a few times a year anyway. Um, and if we need to get out somewhere for a meeting and we can always fly or whatever, but like, it, it really does. I can see the advantage of living out there nowadays. Like, um, like a lot of the bands that we hang out with is from, are they from West coast? And so the, you always see them hanging out together and like surfing and stuff. And it's like, yeah, see, that's, that actually would have made sense because we could have been right in the mix, you know? Totally, totally. And I mean, at least you had your collaborators with you in your, in your hometown. So it made it a little bit easier, but for me being a solo act, I knew that if I wanted to find the right producer, if I wanted to find the right team to support me, I needed to be right in the heart of it. So that's why I moved here. And just the artistry in LA alone, there's so many different kinds of artists that it's really motivating. And you like meet people that are also coming up and you can help each other. And it's really a great community to be a part of. That's great. Just a no brainer. Um, yeah. So when you say community, um, to me, that feels like, have you found yourself in a, in a place where um, there's not as much comp? It's like, to me, it's not competition. It should be about fellowship and, and helping each other and supporting each other. And, and, and that in itself will help elevate the community that you're creating or the one that you're a part of, rather than people trying Absolutely. to step on each other. So is that, is that Absolutely. what you're finding? Yeah, and I love that about the music industry right now, especially with collabs being such a hot thing. I don't feel like there's ever competition. I feel like you're kind of in your own lane. As long as you are true to yourself and genuine and you're creating something really genuine that comes from your heart, nobody else is going to really be the same as you because it's kind of impossible because your life experience, you know, your perspective on things are naturally going to be different. So then that opens doors to collaborate with people who are maybe like in the same genre, but they're, they're still different from you. And a lot of my best girlfriends out here are amazing pop artists and I hope to collab with them one day. But in the meantime, I go to their shows, I cheer them on, they come to mine. So it's really a great environment. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Cause you, you know, you always hear the stories, especially um, with female artists you know, uh, females in general, I think have this, this weird sort of like, I don't know, competition or brutality towards each other. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's know? easy. I read this book once, um, when I was still acting more so, and it, it's a book on acting career and it says, you know, if you're not genuinely happy for, for your friends in the industry, your peers, when they elevate and move up a level, then they're not, you know, genuinely your friends. And I'm really happy that I could call all of my other female artists friends actual friends because I've seen them make strides and I'm truly happy for them when they do. That's really great. That's, that's awesome to hear. So you're all going to each other's shows and, and uh, hopefully jumping on each other's tracks and things like that. That's, that's yeah, awesome. it's so important because it's so hard. I was just at my friend, uh, Sable show this Sunday and she had a great turnout. And, uh, my boyfriend was saying to me, she's so talented. Like, I don't see any reason why she shouldn't be on the radio, why she shouldn't be selling out bigger shows. And, it's just a matter of like continuing to support each other and getting out there and, you know, talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm feeling the same way. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine who's in another band in our, in our scene. Um, just how it's, it's so important to, you can't be, there's no point in being a dick. Like I think you should, I think you can be firm on things, like, especially when it comes to your art, your music, 
you know, the, when it comes mm-hmm. to that. But when it comes to dealing with other bands, other artists, um, there's just no reason to to try to cock block anybody. It's like it's all about just like growing together. And I think if we, if we help each other, it's just gonna it's gonna help that scene. Um, and competition should just, should just be out the window. Like I'm happy for my friends. I have a lot of friends bands that are on the radio. They're selling out yeah. amphitheaters. Um, you know, they're crushing it. And these are bands that we all kind of came up with, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. more than a decade ago. And I'm, I'm just happy for them. You know, there's no reason to be upset or like mad at them or something. It's just stupid, you know? Yeah, competitive about it. I mean, I think I'm sure you'd know because you've been gigging around so much. But my biggest thing is when I play a show, I really, really encourage all my friends and fans to stick around and hear the other acts because that's how new music discovery happens. As much as you can depend on Spotify, Spotify is amazing with their algorithms and, you know, putting forth new music. But I think that you really make a, a different kind of special connection with the artist when you're there live and you, you, you know, see where they go in like five years. And then you can say, oh, I was at that first like little show. So I think it's important. And I hope that other artists do it for me, but I definitely love to do it for other artists too. hundred percent. Um, so, uh, so tell me about, uh, the beginning. What, what inspired you to uh, get into music in the first place or the arts? Uh, yeah, I always kind of was walking around, like writing songs. I would, I mean, there's videos of me as like a small, small, small child, like two years old, just kind of singing to myself, probably some kind of nonsense, but that carried over. And I used to carry around a little notebook in elementary school and kind of write songs and, uh, I think I was about in fourth grade or so when I saw um, a movie and I, it really inspired me and I really wanted to get a guitar and what movie? Uh, be in a rock band. It was Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. <laughs> the Lindsay Lohan <laughs> version. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. But <laughs> that it's is not the one I was thinking really, of. <laughs> it really was the moment. I was like, she's so cool. Um, and that's why I think it's really important to represent, you know, girls in different areas because... I don't think that there was a lot out there with like female rockers and not that I'm a rocker now, but I love rock and roll. And that's really what first inspired me to learn an instrument to get into, you know, like really formally learning how to write songs. So from then on, I kind of just played guitar and I wrote songs all through, you know, elementary school, middle school and high school, but never, never anything professional. And then when it came time to decide what I wanted to do after high school, it really felt more realistic for some reason to go to school for musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, you know, there was more of a straightforward trajectory. I didn't really understand the music industry at the time. And while I was in school, luckily it was a really quick program. I realized just after graduation that I really wanted to go after pop music because that sharing of yourself and telling a story and connecting with people is something that I'm really passionate about. And that didn't go away with you know, studying other art forms. Right. Um, so I was reading your bio here and uh, it says your inspirations are uh, Latin music and 90s grunge. That's what caught me because I listened to some tracks <laughs> and you're very, it is, it is pop music and I hear the production and everything. Uh, what is it about uh, late 90s grunge? What, what did that do for you? Yeah, I just, uh, I've always loved it. I mean, I grew up in, you know, at least the beginning of my life was in the 90s and I always kind of like the rougher around the edges girls. I love um, Beth from uh, Portishead. Mm-hmm. She's really cool. She's just like the OG cool girl to me. And although it doesn't always come through 
you know, within the genre, but I do love like that lo-fi production. I love kind of more emotional, like shoegazy kind of lyrics and, uh, I love trip hop. So when I can within like my genre, I slip it in there. Yeah, I could definitely see, uh, I can definitely see your, your voice over the, the lo-fi beats for sure. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is, uh, so PJ Bianco, I guess your new single galaxy, um, that's coming out. It looks like next month, a few weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. July 12th, it comes out. Um, and yeah, I met PJ through my manager, Jeff, Jeff's amazing. He's been in the industry forever and he knew PJ. Uh, I definitely fan girls when I realized that I was going to get to like meet him and work with him because he's worked with some people that I really respect in the industry. You know, it's something as silly as being younger, like in elementary school, middle school and, Loving the Jonas Brothers, it's really surrealistic to work with somebody who kind of gave them um, some of their their best songs at the beginning. Uh, and he also has worked with like Demi Lovato and Fifth Harmony, and he's just in the industry that I want to work in. And it's really nice that I had his guidance on this project. That's great. Um, so he uh, he uh, co-wrote and produced with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he kind of. He really changed my life and how I view songwriting because up until that point, I had been spending about a year interviewing producers and writing with different producers. And a lot of the times I would be asked to write to a certain brand or aesthetic or um, style that a producer saw in me. And it was, it was all over the place. One producer saw me as like this super badass, like, Little Kim meets Ariana Grande type. Mm. Um, if you, and if you meet me, <laughs> you'd be like, no way. Like, you're way too bubbly for that. Um, somebody else saw that 90s grunge girl in me and wanted to just bring that out. But Pete said, you know, stop worrying about your style. Stop worrying about what brand you want to put forth. Go home, grab your guitar the way you started writing music. Put something out there that's super genuine. Bleed on the page is like what he told me, essentially. He says, I only work with artists who bleed on the page. So I went home and I wrote, I think, like 10 songs for him. And Galaxy was the first song I sent him. And we both constantly gravitated towards Galaxy. And, and that became the single. Wow. Uh, PJ sounds like somebody I'd want to hang out with. Because that's, I mean, really. <laughs> He's amazing, that's, honestly. That's exactly the type of thing that I, that I tell people, tell artists, is the same thing. I, I produce bands as well and I engineer and things. And, um, yeah, it's always, it's always like, just be honest. Don't try to do anything that's not you. You know, um, I think ultimately whatever you do, it, it's going to be you cause you're the one doing it. You know, it's your take on it. It's your perspective on it. Right. Um, but there are definitely moments where it's obvious that you're reaching for something that may not be, uh, genuine. Totally. And totally. And going back to the whole little Kim thing, I always felt when I was kind of in that stage working with with that producer, I felt like, uh, I feel like I'm putting a costume on, you know, like a different persona on to, to do my music. And it's really nice to feel comfortable in my skin and like start from my foundation. And, you know, I'd say that to any artist, like your foundation is always the best foundation for your music. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you got to do what you know, because otherwise, you know, people are going to see through the bullshit that it's, they're going to, they're going to call it from a distance, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, you have to know what you're doing and 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 be into what you're doing as well. Like it's hard to it's hard for me. Like I've had people uh, pitch me lyrics and stuff before, you know, because I, I I write most of our songs, but every now and then I'll reach out to some buddies of mine, some some writers, and and we'll co-write together. And they, right. they usually know me pretty well, um, but 
if I work with someone relatively new, like I'm heading to Nashville in a couple of weeks to work with the, oh, some, some writers. Yeah. And, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I know one guy we've worked together before, but I, this other team, I'm not sure who they are yet. Um, and so I have to make sure that whenever I work with people, I'm like, if I, if it doesn't hit me right, if I don't feel it, you know, I'm just like, I'm tell them, no, like, that's not me. That's not, I don't want to put that out there, you know? Totally. That's totally true. And like, I've worked with so many producers that I love and I respect and I think they're super talented, but it's really finding like the right vibe, and the right match. And it's a really important relationship to find into. I mean, I feel like I was so picky when I was interviewing different producers and it's not because I thought one was more talented than the other. It's just, you know, a feeling it's like the je ne sais quoi you get when you kind of click with the right person. Yeah. Yeah. You have to find the right person, the right team to build around you. And, um, you know, uh, if it's not, doesn't feel right. You got to find other people, you know, it's just, it, and sometimes it takes, it does take time. Um, and, totally. and it's totally fun to experiment and, uh, try different things and see what, what fits and what doesn't, because there may be some certain things out there, some elements, um, that some approaches that you may have never tried because you maybe you either never thought of it or you thought maybe it wouldn't fit you right. But it is nice to, to just try things, you know? Um, Absolutely. I mean, DJ giving me the guidance to go home and, and just allowing me to keep it simple and not worry about, you know, X, Y, and Z and trying to be something that, you know, even though that's how I started writing music, I didn't feel like that was the right way to write music. And, and now I know that is the right way for me. So that's it was re- definitely an eye opening moment. That is really great. I'm, I'm, I'm all about just simplicity, less is more mentality. Um, Absolutely. You know, you know, you can obsess over something and then it's like, you just never finish it. Oh my gosh, it's really easy to be overly practiced with your projects. And I'm learning that now um, in, in the past, since I've written Galaxy and since I've started working with PJ, I've been writing a song every single day. Um, and, Great. you know, not to say every song is genius because it is absolutely not. And that's another thing he, he encouraged. He was like, don't be afraid to suck. Like, just get stuff on the paper, you know, get it out. Once you get in the process of writing songs all the time, more, you know, a higher percentage of it will be good. And so, you know, learning to not be as precious. Um, I'm, I'm a processor and I'm really analytical, you know, as a person. And so sometimes with songwriting, I'm like super precious and I want to know, you know, like I want to think of exactly the right words, but writing a song every day has really encouraged me to hone my craft, but also to learn how to just put what I'm feeling out on the page and be more candid and vulnerable about it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. This guy sounds like the perfect match for you. Um, yeah, that, that's an, that's a wonderful approach. Uh, you should, I tell this to the artists, the same thing, like just write every day or, you know, as much as you can. And none, you know, it's, if you write 20 songs in 20 days, you know, one might be a great song and the others is just, it's just, you have to get it out. Like I, I'm constantly backed up with like melodies and riffs and lyric ideas and, um, things like that. And I have to get them down. It's like, it's like almost, almost every day I'm in my studio working on something new and whether it's going to turn into something or not, you just get it out there. Definitely. And I think like, because society is so like results oriented now, with social media and everything, and you want to see a product and you want it now, I think it's a really great thing to learn is just like the process and like, not everything's going to be a genius. You know, you just, and definitely with artists, I know that a lot of us, we, you know, we express ourselves through music and I feel like emotionally blocked up until I get it out. Even if it's not like the song that I'm going to cut. Sure. Yeah, that's so true. 
Um, yeah. So you, what, you said you grew up in Miami? Uh, yeah, I was there till I was about five and then I moved to Melbourne. That's so, was, yeah. um, I'm half Cuban and I grew up listening to Latin music and everything and dancing and playing dominoes and stuff. So that was definitely a big part of my musical upbringing. That's rad. You got a nice little flavor in there. It's all different types uh-huh. of things happening. Yeah. Um, so who, who the, uh, who the artists that you look up to, um, as far as inspiration? Uh, right now on the scene, I, uh, love Ariana Grande and I love, you know, how vulnerable and how candid she is with her music. Um, I don't think I'm in the same lane as her. I just really appreciate how she connects with her fans and, and how she, you know, puts the truth on paper so much. Um, I really have always looked up to Taylor Swift's songwriting style. Mm-hmm. I think she knows how to tell a story, especially in her early days. She does. Her yeah. songs, uh, you know, back when I was in high school, middle school, those were the songs that initially kind of made me think, you know, what is good songwriting? And then I have some more like obscure role models. I mean, I grew up listening to classic rock with my dad. He used to play like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin for me on my way to dance class. So that definitely, even though it's a far stretch from who I am, I still look up to them because, I mean, they're just iconic and mm-hmm. and they basically, you know, rebel without a cause. I feel like that's a big part of my identity. That's great. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, j- just because you're into something, it's not necessarily means you're going to sound like that or whatever, but there's, there's definitely like elements of different artists um, that you can take away and kind of put it towards your own approach. And like you said, uh, how um, vulnerable Ariana is, um, you're, not definitely. Necess- you're not necessarily going to sound like her, but you can definitely take that approach lyrically, you know. Um, yeah, and-, and I love that about music. It's, you know, it's never one thing. It's kind of a culmination of all your experiences, what you've heard and, and seen. All right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Alrighty, that wasn't so bad. See, uh, back to my conversation with Annie Delgado. Have you always been a solo artist or were you ever in bands at all? Did you ever Uh try going with like a girl group or anything like that? Not a girl group, but I was in an experimental rock band in New York for a hot second. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, And I always like have appreciated that kind of music. I just saw Sam and Paula at um, Coachella and I really loved them. They're great, like psychedelic rock, and I love Radiohead and everything. And I was in this band called Dr. Medicine, and we did an EP, and it was a great time. We gigged all the time. It was really fun to have that. There's something really unique to being in a band than, like, being a solo artist working with a band, where it's really, like, all of your creative forces come together, and you just kind of gel. And, you know, those band rehearsals were some of the most fun times that I learned the most about my voice and about music in there because, you know, people, a lot of them had jazz backgrounds and they were just throwing everything out there, different time signatures, different keys. And I would just have to, you know, be flexible. So that was a great experience too. <laughs> I'm awful with uh, time signature changes. I'm so bad at it. Like I just, I guess I don't, don't know how to count <laughs> or something, but uh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel you on that one. We had one song. Uh, I don't remember exactly the time signatures, but it was pretty wacky. It was like it changed every couple of measures, and I was like, I'm just going to feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. I know. I'm the guitar player as well in the band as the singer, so it's like I'm trying to do two things at once. And You're like, like uh, yeah, 
my brother's like coming at me. He's, he's the drummer. He's, he has this, he has this song that he was messing around with years ago. And like, he's like, all right, it goes from like this to like this. And I, I don't even know what the signatures were, but like, it would just change, you know, out of nowhere when I'm waiting for the next, you know, I wait for, I'm, I'm like a four, four guy. Like I'll just, I'm always yeah. like, you know, just, okay. Four after, to the floor. <laughs> after, yeah. After four bars, I'll change to the next thing. You know, um, I love six, eight, you know, I do a lot of the, uh, 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 doo-wop kind of stuff, which happens oh, to be fun. like a kind of six, eight. Yeah. Um, so, uh, or three, three, I guess. Um, or I'm sorry, three, four. Um, but, uh, yeah, this shit's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's cool to learn how to talk to other musicians, you know, and some musicians are, I mean, I drive, I used to drive people crazy because I'm very much like a visual, like, I want it to sound like a sunburst and I want it to look, you know, sound purple. That's that's the way I want it to sound. And, um, you know, I did study theory and stuff, so I do have the capacity to speak the lingo to people that are a little bit more classically trained. But it's fun, you know, like, learning how to communicate your vision to other people and being in a band definitely challenges that. Do you read music at all? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, actually when I was in uh, conservatory, it was really important because technically our, our program, we had to study opera during it. So definitely that was drilled into us. We had sight singing classes and everything. Wow. Yeah. I learned, uh, every good boy does fine. And then in the middle, between the lines, it was face. Yes, that, that is a iconic uh, way to describe <laughs> reading music. I, that's as far as I got. I, I even now, like I, just, I try to look at any of that shit. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I, it's, it's all by ear. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm more, I'm more of a by ear person too. I had to learn, um, you know, like reading music and sight singing and stuff. And it's funny because my dad plays piano, and he always calls me, and he's like wanting to talk theory and like talk about his, his discoveries. And I'm always like, Oh man, <laughs> that makes my head hurt a little, but <laughs> it's definitely helpful when you're trying to, if something doesn't sound just right and, or you're trying to evoke some kind of emotion. Um, it's almost like a science crazy. I took a songwriting class in college. Um, and they basically were, were teaching us and, and this is more related to musical theater, but they were teaching us what kinds of movements, you know, music make us viscerally feel different things. So it's cool to have that little bag of tricks in my pocket if I need it. But I feel you. I'm definitely more by ear. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's switch gears here. Have you have you ever released anything on a CD? On a CD? Mm-hmm. No, but I want to. I mean, I would love to release something on a cassette tape or a record too. <laughs> right on. I love physical distribution. I actually have had records before, um, but they were like live performance. And they were limited edition. So I'd love to do like a wide release on some form of physical distribution. Well, the reason I ask is because I come from the 90s. That's when I started my band. And nice. um, yeah, 1995. So all my influences were Green Day, Nirvana, Sublime, 311, you know, Goldfinger, like just these 90s bands. And um, uh uh-huh. Uh, you know, so the, there's this whole mentality that comes with that. And, you know, I'd still consider you a new artist um, mm-hmm. in, in today's world. Um, and the way we do things it are completely different, I'd say. The way that we approach the music business, because I was, well, nowadays it's, it's different uh, for me. We have a more modern approach, and I'll explain this in a minute, but like, 
we have, you know, back in the 90s, it was all about getting signed, getting on TV, MTV, getting on the radio and being mm-hmm. on tour and like making a bunch of money. That's, that was like the, the dream. That was the idea. That's what everybody the went for. Success. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know how you did that. It was just, you know, it's that can, we can talk for days about that, but, um, now you don't have to be signed. You don't like there. I know bands that aren't pressing CDs anymore. You know, everybody, press, yeah, yeah. everybody presses vinyl cause it's, it's rad and it's fun. You get the art and, it, and the re- records are, are awesome, but, um, there's no more, cds for some of these bands and we're slowly getting to a point where it's like i don't feel like we really need to press a cd anymore or if we do we press half of what we used to you know we would do a thousand or a couple thousand at a time and now it's like just press 500 and sell them at the merch table because that's really all they are anymore it's just merch it's not even the people listen to it definitely it's just kind of people you know to have for their collection more or less yeah and i think i look at it as like a um another way to support like it's it's the same as buying a t-shirt because oh, absolutely. they'll get you, they'll, you'll have the CD there, you'll sign it for them and they'll take it in the car, they'll throw it in the back seat, and they'll find you on Spotify and listen there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All new cars don't have CD players anymore. You know, like Apple's not putting CD drives in, in their laptops anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, right. It's this whole new it's world. It's more obsolete than records, which is kind of funny because the records are technically older. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but, but you know, it's, I, I can totally see the appeal of a, a vinyl record versus a, a CD, you know, like you've got this uh, yeah, big, absolutely. cool cover, beautiful cover art. And the, 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 then the record itself and you put it on, it sounds warm. You hear that vinyl sound, the crackles and stuff. I get that. Um, it's just interesting that that CDs, it's, it's almost a dead medium. Um, everything's in the cloud. So I was wondering if, if that was even a thought for you to release anything physically you know other than say like a vinyl like on a on a cd would you ever you know because do you find that that it would be pointless or do you find that yeah people still want want to buy cds at the shows or do you think that your fans even care about cds because they're gonna listen on spotify or apple music yeah i don't at this point like i i still appreciate a cd i actually have a really vivid memory of i used to be a major hillary duff fan Still am honestly, she's great. But I remember being on vacation at Disney actually, which is funny because at the time she was working with Disney pretty heavily, and her new record came out, and Disney wasn't selling them. So I made my parents like leave Disney's property to go, you know, to a Walmart nearby and buy her CD, and then I walked around uh, the resort with like my Walkman, listening to, you know, Metamorphosis. Walkman. And <laughs> yeah, nice. that's a throwback. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to. I think that we'll come around to a time where CDs are respected, just like records are now. You know, records are in now because it's nostalgic and it gives you a different sound. But at the moment, I'm more so focused on digital release and records, I think, would be the second objective. And I think cassette tapes are cool, too, but I still think that records are kind of ruling in terms of physical distribution right now. But yeah. what you said is really true about like the industry changing. I, my aunt is friends with this guy who used to be signed to Def Jam. Um, and when he was 16, it was crazy. It was like in the eighties, it was at the height of, you know, the crazy music industry then. And he was producing for all sorts of acts like the Beastie Boys and third base. And, um, so he gave me this advice. She got me on the phone with him because, you know, she knew I was starting out my career in the industry and he kind of advised me not to go with the label. Um, for the longest time, you know, he said, stay independent as long as you can, 
because of his own experiences with being signed to a label. And, you know, there's a lot of intricacies that come with being signed to a label. And I think that it's definitely an end goal for me, but there's a lot of work to do before you sign to a label. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with his advice. Cause it's the, the label, like the big labels. I mean, they want everything. They want a piece of everything and it's not a small piece. It's a, they take a <laughs> lot of it. Yeah. They take yeah. most of it. Unfortunately, it seems that the, the artist gets the short end of the stick because everyone else has to get paid. Your producer, your engineer, your, um, your label, your, uh, publicist your manager your booking everybody else gets paid and you're like the last person to get paid you know yeah, it's, which is crazy it's the weirdest thing art. yeah I, t- I tell bands yeah. all the time like don't start a band just be like an agent or, an, or a manager or something you know what i mean because that, that's where the money is the money is on the other side you know the yeah it the, totally is the artist is in it for the art and it'd be nice to get compensated for for that art but that's why we do it we do it because we love it and it makes us feel good and you know, we're not necessarily concerned with the money. Um, I think that we should be getting our fair share, but it is wild to think that everyone else makes the money before you make the money. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's hard to be an independent artist because you've got to put up a lot of the funds yourself and you have to kind of fancy yourself a business person in addition to an artist. And that's really hard sometimes when you're, and I find myself to be a really equally right and left brain person. So when I'm like creative mode, I go hard. And then when I'm business mode, I go hard. And it's like hard to find the balance. But as an independent artist, it's really important to have both of those mindsets. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, it is my dream to be signed to a major label. I, you know, I've been talking to my manager. I would love to be on tour with other, you know, pop acts that I really, you know, look up to and in, in in time I'd love to be that act that has somebody on tour with me but I definitely think that I want to build my own success first yeah you need to build a foundation because you want to have whenever you you know you may get to a point where you won't need a major label and, and yeah it's he was correct saying stay independent as long as you can because um for instance like my band we own all of our music, except for one album. Um, there, we own all the music. And so we're not paying, uh, you know, 50% or whatever or more out to a label uh, anymore, except except just for this one record. We have a lot of releases, but um, all the rest of that money comes to us. And yeah, we I were love able that. To, yeah, we were able to build this thing. And over time, it just compounded. And now here we are, like, and the, the Spotify, the, the streaming numbers, add up to something now, you know, the last few years, yeah. like we can actually kind of, you know, support ourselves. And, you know, if we were, if we were on labels and stuff, it's, it's like, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because when you get on the label, there is that opportunity, that potential to, uh, to get bigger. Right. And so like kind of with volume, you know, you the more money comes in, you're getting more fans, things like that. Um, that's what you hope for, but, but it's not always the case. And a lot of times it isn't like you'll just sign to a label and sometimes they don't do anything. Sometimes they work a little bit. Sometimes they work really hard and, and maybe it just doesn't catch on. Um, you right, know, and right. then, but then, but then at the end of the day, you're still, no matter what happens, you're still paying that label a big piece of, of your art. Um, absolutely. So, I look at it like, you know, having a startup and you're either going to have somebody make that investment you and you're going to share your your part of the business or 
you're going to make that investment for yourself and you know, you'll get paid back first kind of thing. Right. The, um, I, th- I think it's, uh, it's, it's super important to have, uh, like you said, a uh, you, you should be business savvy as well as a modern artist living in 2019. Absolutely. You need to know uh, where the money's going, how the money's being spent. And a lot of times I, I told a friend of mine this uh, recently, he was talking about this label, um, a couple labels. And I was like, dude, why do you need a label? It's like, cause he, they have like this marketing budget and it's, it's right. pretty significant. I'm like, okay, look, man, a lot of bands don't have like a significant budget. Like we can throw a thousand bucks here, 500 bucks here, you know, whatever it is. But uh, uh-huh. if you're talking, you're able to spend tens of thousands of dollars um, on marketing. You don't need a label because that's all no. they're going to do. That's all they're going to do. You can be the label. You spend the money Absolutely. on marketing. Don't spend it on dumb shit. Like, you know, big, crazy, expensive videos. Like just put, put the, put the money in the right places. And you got to experiment a little bit. Take out ads. Yeah. Like, be creative and spend your money in the right places and spend a lot of that because you, you would, you definitely have to like spend a great deal of money if you have it to really kind of break through this sea, this vast sea of other artists doing the same thing. Totally. Um, and you know, like my, my thought process on it is that once I get signed to the label, I want to be a priority for them. So right. I need to give them a reason to make me a priority. I, uh, I was singing for an a- A&R rep at Atlantic a little while back, maybe like a year ago. And he gave me really great advice. He had great feedback for me. He was really excited about uh, what I could do. But he said, you know, if you're going to sign to a label, know why you want to sign to a label. And I feel like a lot of artists just kind of, they hear label and that's, you know, the dream. But definitely having a strategy in place is important. Yeah. You need to, if you want to be a priority, you need to create leverage. Absolutely. So you need to create leverage. You need to do everything you can now to, to build. And, and to me, I would say don't go looking for a label. Let the labels come to you. Um, Absolutely. And that's going to take you obviously putting out the best stuff you can um, and making sure that every single and every, every release is, you know, timed out properly. Like you have a good timeline. Um, you're, getting, you're creating promo and buzz around it. And then once it comes out, you're working it really hard, you know, to all your fans and um, Instagram everywhere. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm really grateful that the manager that I work with, Jeff, he's been in, on the financial side of the music industry at labels and whatnot for over 20 years. And so he's a guy that like, you know, tells me, oh, you don't want to release in this quarter, or, like release at this time. You know, it's great to have that kind of guidance. That is great. With yeah. Somebody who's truly financially minded. No, that's true. It's, it's, it's so true. You have to have, you know, like hopefully you're working with people that know the business like that and they can say, look, this isn't the best time to release something like this or, you know, let's wait or, hey, this, this album or singles coming out on the same day, we should push it back a week or, or whatever. Um, those kinds of things. Absolutely. If, you can, if you can have that sort of insight, obviously that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, makes a major difference. Yeah, having a plan is very important. You know, we, right? And it's hard as an artist to discipline yourself to do that because I, for the past year, have been like, "Oh my god, I just want to release something." Because yeah. I'm lucky enough to have an Instagram audience, and you know, they're constantly on there, like asking me when new stuff's coming out. And it's been a minute, but I've been developing, and so you know, I'm grateful to have somebody to keep me in check so that I don't release it too soon, so that you know, there's buzz and there's excitement when something comes out. Yeah, it's so huge. You want to you want to make sure that they're, you're building for for months, honestly. Like, um, <laughs> and you have this thing. I, I'm kind of it's like 
for me, like putting out singles, uh, which is what we're doing lately. Um, I've seen all of it. I, I've seen bands promote a single, you know, a month, two, three months in advance, you know, for a single. Um, but then I've, right. al- I've also seen bands release a single, you know, announce a single and then release it a week or two later. And I've also seen bands surprise, here's a song, you know, just out of nowhere, you know, and yeah, yeah. all of those things can be, can be successful. Um, the, the, it's, it's weird when you look at like, say the two or three months in advance kind of thing. Like, um, I feel like when I, when I let our fans know like, Hey, uh, new single, it's coming out in September. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be like, dude, what? Like this is forever from now. Like th- I feel like, <laughs> yeah. And then you, I feel like there's, you run the risk of like spamming them and like over, overdoing it. Like it just gets yeah, exhausting, yeah. you know? And by the time That's it comes out, too. they'll probably be excited, but it's just like, ugh, you know, they're tired of hearing about it. Yeah, they've you. seen so much. It better be really damn good. Yeah, it better yeah be great. I haven't actually released my, I announced my song to my, my fans yet. I'll announce it probably on the first. Oh, right on. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and that was the other thing too. It's like, but then is a week, is two weeks uh, enough time to create buzz? And, I think it can be if if you have again like a a significant budget, and by significant I mean you know for for an independent artist maybe five hundred to a thousand bucks to put into ads you know on Instagram and Facebook that's probably yeah a pretty good I'd say a good number um, because you want it to do well and in today's age with Spotify and, and Apple Music like it's so important like the more you get the more streams you get on release day like the more the algorithm's going to work for you. You know, right, if, if exactly. It doesn't get any action, it's not going to get picked up anywhere. You know, and what I what that's I'm, really yeah what I've been working on the the playlist editorials one thing those are tough to get on but but like algorithmic playlists like uh, uh, Discover Weekly and Daily Mix things like that um, mm-hmm. that is something that you wanna uh, you wanna make sure that's why pre save is huge like like screw yeah, like yeah. screw pre order. Don't worry about pre-order with <laughs> iTunes anymore. Like just promote pre-save because this is the world we live in. So the more yeah, people well, listen on day one. Yeah, going away for the most part. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're breaking it up. You can still buy um, buy songs and stuff and pre-order and everything, but it's just, it, that's going to fade a couple more years. It'll be yeah. gone. That's, that's totally what we're working on. And, you know, every day reaching more people. And, you know, TikTok is a big thing that, like, wasn't a thing two years ago, I feel like. Yeah. So... Yeah, TikTok's becoming more uh, more popular as well, and I, I definitely would advise um, any artists out there to start a profile over TikTok and start releasing stuff there Absolutely. as well. And, and I know it's just another medium, but when Instagram isn't popular anymore and TikTok comes out, you're going <laughs> to wish that you started out. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you know, there's different people in different places, so mm-hmm. you know, all of the things is the right answer. Yeah, all the things. You're absolutely right. Um, it, it's it's more work, but you gotta, you gotta love the work. You gotta love the process, right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, let me, I was, I was going to look up your, um, Instagram this morning and I escaped me. Um, let me look this up. So how you look on Instagram lately? Uh, things are looking good. I, I was talking to a colleague of mine about a year and a half ago and he was like, Oh, I have a record label that would give you a deal. This is when I was a little bit more naive. And I was like, Oh my God, any label that will take me cool. Like I can make music. Great. Uh, and he was like, Oh, but you have to have 50,000 followers. And I said, like, 
I don't have 50,000 followers. At the time, I had like a 1,000. And that's when I really started focusing on my Instagram following. And I'm growing every day now, which is great. But the more important part to me is that I get, get to connect with these people who are looking for new music and, and like connecting with artists. And I love how personal and intimate it can be. That's great. What is, uh, yeah, so you, you're sitting at uh, 26.3K right now. Yeah, yeah, it's grown. I mean, that's been in the past year and a half. So that's I'm really amazing. grateful. That's really great. Yeah, that's awesome. What, uh, so what, what are some, uh, some, what are some techniques you use to grow the, the Instagram profile? I work with somebody who helps me, um, manage and like give me advice on content. I'd say content's really important, especially with the way Instagram is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, content becomes more important, which is great because it's no longer like a follow and follow game. It's more about what you're putting out there and your creativity. I think the most important thing that I could say for other artists or for anybody who wants to grow their following is to engage with people. Like so often we want that following, but what it really is is you're connecting with these people. So I answer the messages of just about anybody who messages me on Instagram. Like I'm constantly on my DMs. I could tell you the names and the life stories of a few of my followers that I've never met. And, you know, I mean, I feel like as an artist, you're kind of, you're serving your fans. It's kind of like a public service kind of thing. So I feel really grateful and honored to be able to offer advice or just kind words to anybody who's willing to support me on there. And that's what I've done. And that it's worked for me, you know, time and time again, I have people that I know will listen to my song when it comes out because I've been there for them and, and we have a relationship. That is the absolute 100% correct answer. I, I was hoping you would say all those things, and you did, because that it, that is the only way to me. Um, yeah, you know, when you go when you go on any band, any artist, anybody listening right now that that uh, has an Instagram, and you should if you if you don't, that's crazy. Um, yeah, go to your go to your post. When you make a post, you sit there for that next hour that that post is that from that post that you put up, and start replying to everyone that leaves a comment because oh, absolutely yeah because if not it's like wh- what are you doing like th- these people took a took a moment out of their day to express their thoughts or their feelings or tell them they love you or they can't wait or oh my god you know this is awesome like yeah yeah you, you, you owe one, them um, one girl that follows me and and i talk to her all the time on instagram her name is bethany shout out to you bethany um bethany. i yeah, she she floors me. Every day she like posts the most thoughtful, like sweet thing on, on my photo. Whatever I post, she has something to say about it and she's always talking to me and, and she's so sweet and encouraging and so and there's lots of people on my Instagram that are like that. I'm really lucky to have like a really pure, like sweet audience there. Like I feel like I was really nervous when I started to grow it to get people that were negative. But for the most part everybody's super positive on my page and respectful and she is the like prime example of somebody who is just so supportive and I owe her, you know, like it's being an artist and especially being like a young woman and an artist, I feel like I have a big responsibility to help other young women and, and be a good example and a good role model for them. So I don't take that responsibility lightly. That's yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I think there's, um, you know, someone, you know, not everybody has 26,000 followers. Um, and, you know, I think being a voice for, for someone, you know, I think that's important. It's, it's, uh, either being a voice or just some, some sort of support system. Uh, there are people that, that need that, you know, they need that, uh, 
reassurance in life and things. I don't know. It's just, it's just, to me, it's, it's nice to be nice. It's good, good to be good, you know? Yeah. And I've been faced with some like kind of challenging topics. Like people will reach out to me about body image and, you know, girls in high school, like worried about boy problems and stuff. And it feels great to have the perspective, you know, to be able to say, yeah, I'm still figuring it out too, but to be able to give some advice and, you know, encourage and empower other girls. I think just telling, you know, your story, Do, do you go live a lot? I don't go live as much as I should. Yeah. I really should do it more. Me neither. But when I do go live, it always like blows my mind because people just hang out. Like there was one time I went live and I just watercolored for like two hours and I just like kind of talked to whomever was talking with me in the comments. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, and I'm a terrible painter by the way, but I try. <laughs> it's therapeutic. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's um, I, I've been doing this thing lately. Like, um, I'm always working, like I said before, I'm, I'm always working on new music. And uh, so once I kind of start, I kinda, like if I have an idea, I'll open Pro Tools or Logic and I'll just kind of, I'll lay down this basic sort of skeleton. And kind of once I see the roadmap happening, coming to life, I'll, um, uh-huh. I'll go live and I'll, I'll face the camera to the computer screen or I'll, I'll put it next to me so you can kind of see me working and looking at the, at the computer screen. But, um, yeah. And I think people really appreciate seeing the process. Oh, they really do. They really do. And that, that's where, uh, there's some moments where I just feel like nobody's going to want to watch this. This is the most boring thing ever. Um, Mm -hmm. and some, and, and a lot of that is actually me. People aren't really interested in that kind of stuff, but, um, it's like once I find a melody or like a, a lyric or, or like something or cool riff, that's when I'll, I'll go live. Now I won't necessarily do it while I'm, noodling around but once i kind of have something solid to work with then i'll kind of go live so there's something it's not just boring because I, I do want to like i do want i want them to see it but i also want to kind of catch their ear catch their eyes um you know so they're just, they're not just like oh he's working in the studio again i'm out you know um right right definitely I can them somehow. yeah so i think that going live is, is very is a very cool way for for fans to kind of get an inside perspective um because people love access yeah i mean like being intimate with your following and talking to them and telling them about what you're doing in your day makes it makes you more real and more approachable. For sure, yeah, and um, and because I because I am really approachable, and you know, who isn't? We're all like human, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely people you, you don't necessarily even want to go up to, but like I, you know, you seem like definitely the type, and I, I'm certainly the type where I'm very personable. Like anyone, anyone, I invite anyone to come talk to me, um, you know, and say what's up or, or whatever. <clears throat> do you uh so you played a lot of shows and yeah i used to in new york i haven't really gigged around la at, you know due to being in development and i'm really working you know hand in hand with pj on developing my sound but i'm really excited i have a show next month on july 27th i'm playing the ivar which was a popular nightclub and it just reopens as a music venue gorgeous venue like huge there's like 400 400 capacity or something crazy like that so I'm really excited. So if you're in LA, uh, come on out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll, I'll make sure to uh, include your uh, some links in in the caption for the pod. But um, and uh, I was going to say, oh yeah, I just gave you a follow on, on Instagram, BTW. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh. I will follow you back. Yeah, cool. Uh, for anybody listening, it's it's Annie A N I E underscore Delgado um, on Instagram. There, it looks good too. I like I like all the. Uh, all of your highlight icons there, all neon. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I started, my boyfriend's a filmmaker, which I'm really lucky, but I drive him crazy with uh, 
shooting me at night now. <laughs> it's a whole vibe. <laughs> That's rad. No, it looks, it looks rad. I like it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm trying to think if there's anything that we didn't cover. Is there any, anything else that you got coming up that you want to talk about? or? No, just a single. I do have to run it in a sec, but it's premiering with Atwood. I actually used to write for music, so I've been really lucky with my colleagues you know, from the past been supporting me. So I'm premiering my song with Atwood Magazine on July 11th, and it comes out everywhere on the 12th. That's great. I'll make sure to uh, include yeah. the links to your Spotify and, and your uh, your Instagram. Uh, Andy, thanks so much for coming Agreed. on to the show. I really appreciate you talking about your yeah. story. And um, it was interesting, you know, hearing everything about uh, your approach to uh, songwriting and, and being a solo artist. Your, your perspective, too. Oh, word. Yeah. Good, good, good. That's what we do here. We just talk about, yeah, you know. Yeah, a really insightful conversation. How to get through like this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right. Other artists, artists lifting up artists. So. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's 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 um I don't know. I just want to I just want to help people that maybe not cut corners. You're definitely going to have to like go through your your rites of passage like sleeping on floors and things like that, you know? But uh mm-hmm. I, I just I want to help people like maybe not make those weird mistakes that we made. <laughs> We're just insane. Absolutely. You know? I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um well, Andy, thanks again so much, and uh, good luck with the show next month, and I can't wait to hear the new song when it comes out, and uh, take care. Howie, don't be a stranger. You know it. All right, all right, there you have it. Andy, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, everybody, go check out the, the link in the description here of the podcast uh, for her Spotify and her Instagram uh, account. Make sure you give her a follow. Check out the music. Make sure you follow on Spotify. Um I loved having that perspective from a female pop artist. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to hear. I love that there's this feeling of um, support in her community with her other female counterparts. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like we we need to step on each other. I feel like we need to lift each other up. And it sounds like that it sounds like a community that she's a part of. And uh, certainly feels like a community that I'm a part of in the reggae rock scene. Um, we just need to lift each other up, man. There's no, there's no reason to hate or be a dick. And uh, it just shows that, I don't know, you can create a scene without killing each other. And when you do that, it's just going to be better for the scene as a whole. It's just going to lift up. The way this shit has exploded over the last decade, you know, it's a testament to that, I think. Um... So yeah, uh, check out Andy Delgado. Um, hit the links. Follow me at Howie Spangler on Instagram, at Twitter, HowieSpangler.com. Get that merch, baby. HowieSpangler.com. Hit the hit the uh, the store link and check out some of that merch. And yeah, I guess I'm gonna you know go work on some more music now. Love you all. Talk to you soon. This is Tales from the Green Room.